This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. The Shlonim Rebbe in this week's Parsha asks a question that we've asked in the past and we gave a different approach to it in the past. I believe it was two years ago for those who remember. Um, and asks the following question that hopefully today we're going to resolve differently but equally inspiring and uh, equally important. The Shlomo Rebbe, when it, the Torah introduces us after the confrontation, the struggle that existed between Yaakov and the angel, as Rashi says, the Sar Esav, so the Torah says that the angel gives the bracha to Yaakov of Yisrael. Lo yikrashim cha Yaakov ki im Yisrael. He's called Yisrael. And the Shlomo Rebbe is bothered by what seems to be an incongruent rule between Avraham and Yaakov. Because we all know that the Gemara in Brachos, on Daf Yud Gimel, Omar Aleph tells us, Kol hakori Avraham Avram over Ba'aseh. Right? The Gemara tells us that once HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed Avram to Avraham, you are no longer permitted to refer to the first of our Avos by his original name. You're not allowed to call him anymore that. Why? Because the Torah says, the Torah explicitly writes, you are not allowed, you're not permitted to refer to Avraham by the name that he was originally called by. So the Slonim, and the Gemara asks over there, that the Slonim Rebbe quotes, why is it that when it comes to Avraham, you're not allowed to call him Avraham? But when it comes to Yaakov, and he gets this name Yisrael, we see that later on the Torah kind of bounces back and forth. Sometimes the Torah refers to him as Yaakov. Sometimes the Torah refers to him as Yisrael. So what's the difference? What's the difference between those two things? And so the Gemara ultimately says that by virtue of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is allowed to, so that means we are allowed to, as opposed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu never referred to Avraham as Avram again. And so therefore, since he referred to Avraham only as Avraham, you can't refer to him as any other name. But by virtue of the fact that the Torah itself refers to Yaakov as Yisrael, refers to Yisrael as referred to Yaakov, so there you see that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do it, so so too can we do it. And that's very nice that the Gemara provides that resolution for us. But if you think about it, it doesn't really answer the question. Because if you ask yourself even deeper, you have to say, well, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu continue flipping between Yaakov and Yisrael? Why didn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu keep the same rules consistent? He didn't call Avraham, Avraham Avram anymore when he changed his name. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu shouldn't have referred to Yaakov as Yaakov anymore once he changed his name to Yisrael. It's very nice that now we understand halachically why it's not a problem to refer to Yisrael as Yaakov, to refer to Yaakov as Yisrael because HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it in the Torah, so therefore we can do it. But it doesn't help us understand why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu call him Yaakov? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu call him Yisrael? Why not keep to the name that he did originally. Okay, and number two, that he asks, again, it's not on the pages you have in front of you, but you'll trust me. He asks, why is it that Avraham and Yitzchak only have one name, and yet Yaakov HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt the need to have two names? So we need to try to understand what it is about Yaakov and Yisrael. Clearly, there's something about these two names that HaKadosh Baruch Hu distinguished him, Yaakov, from Avraham Avinu, namely that it's no longer, it's not prohibited to refer to Yaakov as Yisrael and Yisrael as Yaakov as opposed to Avraham. And number two, that for some reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose 
to give both of these names and to call him by both of those names, as opposed to the other Avos who were only identified by one name. So what's in the name Yaakov? What's in the name Yisrael that HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only allows Yaakov to be referred to it, but as his descendants, we too need to inherit uh, whatever the message is, whatever the symbolism behind these two names are. So we're going to start on page Reish Lamed Ches, Oz Beis, and he says the following. V'yesh Lomar, it is possible to suggest Od Inyon Beis Hashemos Yaakov Yisrael, another way to explain what Yaakov and Yisrael represent. The name Yaakov and the name Yisrael reflect, highlight the two contentious, the two confrontations that took place between Yaakov and Lavan and Yaakov and Esau. Let's try to understand what he means. These two names, Yaakov and Yisrael, that were what ultimately reflect what he had to combat when he faced Lavan and when he faced Esau, those two nakudos, those two fundamental yusodos, those principles, are necessary to overcome the Yetzar. What does he mean? So he says as follows, Yesh inyun Yetzahara hashayach lelavan. There's a certain type of Yetzahara that is connected to, that is relevant to Lavan. V'yesh inyun Yetzahara hashayach leesav. And there's a certain dimension, element of the Sahara that is reflective when combating the ace of type person. What does that mean? Klipas Lavan hu inyan hapagam b'moach. Lavan's Sahara, what Lavan represent, represented, was a pagam, was a blemish, when it came to an intellectual connection to Hashem. Meaning, be'emuna when it comes to faith, be'deos, when it comes to knowledge, ve'ashkavos, when it comes to philosophy. How do I know? How do I know that Lavan was the one who represented a, a, a faulty, a misguided, a heretical philosophy? So take a look at the Psukim that the Slonim Rebbe quotes. Habanos benosi, v'habanim banai, v'atzon soni, lihu. Lavan says to Yaakov, your daughters are really mine, the sons are really mine, those sheep are really mine, and everything you see, Yaakov, is really mine. What essentially is Lavan saying? Lavan says, I am the one who is responsible for your success. I am the one who facilitated your ability to accumulate wealth, to have a large family. There's no Rebono Shalom. There's no master of the universe. There's no Borei Olam. There's no creator. I am the one who has provided for you. I am the one who is responsible. There is no other being that can be credited with your successes. And that's exactly what Lovin was. Lovin was a denier. Lovin was a kofer, not in terms of utilizing his physical desires or satisfying them, but he was in the realm of, of understanding, of philosophy, positing new ideas that may run contrary to our belief system. And how do I know that? He takes it one step further. Why, when we say in our Haggadah, we say that Lavan was the one, as opposed to Paro, Paro wanted to kill the Zacharim. He wanted to kill the males. What did Lavan want to do? Lavan wanted to uproot, uproot everything. What do you mean he wanted to uproot everything? He wanted to impurify. He wanted to contaminate our intellect. Where the Neshama resides. 
Chilik af mi mali de kfir of adir svashkafos psulos. Valkein nikra shabikish lakor es hakol. So Lavan was the type, he wanted to contaminate, he wanted to cloud, he wanted to infuse what otherwise should have been a clarity in terms of our emunah, our faith, our belief system, our philosophy, our understanding of how to connect to Hashem. He wanted to connect, contaminate our moach, our intellect, where the neshama, the spiritual elements of our being resides in. He wanted to be, and if he was going to be successful, then as we know, he would have been oker. He would have uprooted everything. It's reminiscent, this uh, approach of the Nesiva Shalom to a beautiful Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky Zatzal. Rabbi Yaakov asks, uh, what was so different? Why was Lavan worse than Paro? Why, how could you say that Lavan was the one who uprooted everything? What do you mean? Yitzchak tried to commit genocide, tried to kill people. Lavan didn't ever try to kill anybody. Why is Lavan put in this, uh, you know, the light is shed on him in such a negative way that he's considered worse than Paro? And the Rabbi Yaakov writes, that if you take a look at the end of Parshas Vayetze, when Lavan proposes to Yaakov that they should join forces, Elokei Nachar Velokei Avicha, right? You should join forces to be able to ultimately do things uh, in, in a symbiotic, in a healthy, collaborative way. And what is Yaakov's response? Elokei Avicha, right? He only, he only quotes his father. He says, no, 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 no. I know that if I join forces with you, we're going to lose everything. We're going to assimilate. It's true, says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. When it came to Paro, he tried to kill us physically, but it was only the Zacharim. We would have figured something out. Lavan tried to be okra as hakol. Lavan tried to pose a possibility of assimilation that would have destroyed Klal Yisrael as we know it. And the same is true over here. Lavan represents the part of the Yitzhara that doesn't speak to our physical desires, but rather our intellectual our spiritual, and he attempted to be okir, he attempted to up- uproot everything that we've believed in by being metame our neshamas. That's Lavan. V'ilu b'chinas ha'yetzahar shal Esav in Yonah b'maysa. Esav is a different animal. Esav was not your intellect. Esav was not going to be sitting in the base medrash. Esav was the type of guy who gave in to his physical de- desires Right? As the Gemara Baba Basra tells us, Shalba, on the day that Avram Avinu died, Avram committed many, many Averos, some of which were Shaba Nara Amurasa. He had uh, a marital relationship with a, a girl who had already had the first stage of marriage of Kiddushin, Vaharagas Nefesh, and he killed somebody among the many things that uh, the, the Gemara there lists. What were those things? He's not going to debate with you about the intellectual existence of God. He's not going to talk about the role that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should play in our lives. Esav was about satisfying his desires. She'ikr is Gabra's klipas Esavi be'evarim. Right? It was all about the physical temptations. Madur ha'tayvos ha'shayach le'nevesh ha'behemi. Right? It was the animalistic desires that he was constantly focusing on to try to satisfy. Al yidemaisim ro'im v'rasich ha'sadam l'isr. It's hard to say that Esau was a kofra bakol. Esau was a type of person who just didn't care enough to think about it and just gave in to all of his desires, all of his taivas. And so therefore you have these two uh, personalities. You have the Lavan who represents the Yitzhahara of the Neshama, the Yitzhahara of the Moach, of the intellect where the Neshama resides. The Yitzhahara that tries to create assimilation to contaminate the clarity of our emuna, And you have the Yitzhahara of Esau. Esau, who has that physical desire, who's constantly consumed by his animalistic um, lusts and his animalistic desires to satisfy, and that's what's guiding every decision that he makes.
Says the Slana Mareba. Based on this analysis, you can now understand why Yaakov had both of these names. Ubez Shemel Shel Yaakov Haim, Keneged Bez Inyani Yetzahar Elu. These two names, Yaakov and Yisrael, are there to specifically combat these two dimensions of the Yetzahara. Hashem Yaakov Hu, Kamandam Raviyado, Ochezes Be'ekav Esav. What was Yaakov? Why did he get the name Yaakov? Because he was grabbing on to the heel of Esav. Romez Amadur Hataivos Shasham Hu Klipas Esav. He was grabbing on to, he was trying to control his behemi, his animalistic desires. He did not want to be consumed by lust. He wasn't interested in giving in to his desires. And so he grabs on, proverbially or metaphorically, not just physically, to the heel of Esav to demonstrate that level of control, that level of gvura, of courage, of power to overcome Esav. Va'akein Nikri Yaakov, Number one, he's called Yaakov so that he'd be able to combat all of his physical desires, realizing there's a God in the world, realizing that he has to control himself, that he's a human being, that he is a neshama, and so therefore he cannot be, to give in to concede to his physical desires. And secondly, the second name Yisrael is to combat the type of love and personality. Who tries to contaminate, who tries to impose upon, who tries to impurify our philosophies, our belief systems, our knowledge. The word Yisrael, the word Yisrael, if you mix it differently, is Lirosh, my head. To ingrain the Elokus. The spirituality of God, the midos hamachshvosh into our mind, into our intellect, into our neshama, the behirus hayamun of ades vahashkavos nechonos, to us so that we have clarity in our faith, in our knowledge, and in our philosophy in the right way. Vinyan beis Hashemus Yaakov Yisrael Shem Keneged beis Inyan Hayet Sahara. These two names, Yaakov and Yisrael, that correlate, that correspond to these two elements, these two dimensions of the Yet Sahara. Yeshno gam kein b'Torah. We see this in the Torah itself, and that's the objective of Torah. Shimi dasal shayakov, Yaakov is known, Ishtam Yoshevo Alim, he was the Mid of Torah. Ukumamare Chazal, Torah Magni Umatzli, the Gemara Sota tells us that Torah protects us. Shatorah he tavlin hain, Barasi Yitzahar, Barasi lo Torah tavlin, the Gemara in Kedushin tells us, HaKadosh Baruch who created the Torah in order as a, as a uh, antidote, as, as, as a, a certain power. As a, what's the right word I'm looking for? I can't remember right now. But some type of medicine that's there, an elixir. That's the word I was looking for. An elixir to be able to uh, put off, to be able to combat the Yitzhahara. Shatari tavlin hil Yitzhahara shal Yitzhah. Shatari machnias, machnias, koach hachomer shabadam. Uchadisa b'taras avos. Torah mishtasheses kochos shaladam. Hainin kochi roshi oni. Shatari mishtasheses kochos hatamem shish biadam. Yes, on the one hand. The Torah is there to combat the Yitzhar, but it weakens us physically. Many Gemars talk about how it weakens us. And at the same time, When you learn the Torah, when you learn HaKadosh Baruch Hu's book, when it illuminates us in our understanding of God's ways, and it infuses within us godliness, the Torah, which is the symbol of Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov and Yisrael combats 
these two dimensions, the dimension of combating the physical pleasures of the world and the dimension, the element of being able to combat the intellectual elements that will contaminate our pure belief system. And he says, if a person works on their amuna, he first deals with the love on. He first understands that I'm not going to allow you to contaminate my belief system. I'm not going to allow you to infringe. I'm not going to allow you to influence or impact what I believe in. I know the Torah Kedosha, Torah MS, Moshe MS, Vesoroso MS. The Torah is not going to be there to contaminate my belief system in any way, shape, or form. Once I have my Amuna clear, once I know there's a Boreolam, once I have the prescribed manual, the ingredients that the Torah lays out for us, then I'm not going to have to worry about the physical. I'm not going to have to worry about the ace of type Yet Sahara because I'll be totally locked in. It's a powerful message. Yaakov and Yisrael. Yaakov and Yisrael. The reason why the Torah refers to both of these is because they refer, they reference two important Yisodos that Avram Yitzchak didn't necessarily highlight. Yaakov represented the Yaakov. Yaakov represented the Yisrael. And both of these ingredients were going to be necessary for us his ancestors, his progeny to understand we're going to have to combat the physical pleasures of the world to do it in the right way, not to divest ourselves. The Torah prescribes how we can enjoy this world, but to do it in the right way with the prescribed ingredients and at the same time not allow those influences from the outside world, the apicursus, the heresy, the things that look nice on the outside but are not congruent, do not work in concert with our belief system to be able to repel, to be able to combat those as well. And Amir Tzashem, you were able to go with those, both of these things. There's no doubt that you're a Muna, and by, by virtue of the Amuna that you will strengthen, your Nefesh Behemi, your physical pleasures will fall right in line. Because once you have that clarity, once you see the Elokos, once you see the beauty of Torah, and that Torah, Kiner Mitzvah Torah, or it illuminates, it opens your eyes to the mission statement, to what you can accomplish. So then the nefesh behemi, the physical desires that are not within the confines of the expectations of the Torah are going to fall away and we are not going to be able to do so. So therefore the Nesiva Shalom suggests that perhaps as opposed to Avram and as opposed to Yitzchak where their alternative potential names would not have represented these important fundamental values in Yiddishkeit, these represented core values. And so therefore sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu will refer to him as Yaakov, sometimes he'll refer to him as Yisrael to demonstrate and highlight the values of Yaakov and Yisrael, and amidst Hashem, if we, in, if we inculcate, if we imbibe, if we uh, model ourselves after these midos, then amidst Hashem will be mechazik ar emuna, and, it will, and, by, and by definition, will then strengthen ourselves in being able to combat the physical desires as well. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day.